Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, and I've got a fantastic guest in the studio here today, and I think you're going to really enjoy what he's got to say. He's been a business communication specialist for many, many years, helping businesses get their voices heard. Through his business, Get Your Voice Heard, he helps with individual and senior teams who need to get their voices heard from the stage, in media, and within their organisation. He does this as a keynote speaker, coach, and workshop leader. He specialises in working with those in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industries and also working with marketing, PR and other agencies. He started his career as a journalist for BBC TV and Radio News before founding and running a PR agency, Varda Media, for 11 years. He was named the UK Speaker of the Year in 2015 by the Professional Speaking Association and is the author of two books, The Authority Guide to Presenting and Public Speaking, and the Authority Guide for PR for Small Business. He also recently had his 15 minutes of fame when he discovered that he was unwittingly the face of an online international dating scam. Wow, that sounds interesting. Please welcome Steve Buston. Steve, hi, how are you? Hey, James, I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. That uh, I'm so curious. How did you end up in a dating scam? Well, it completely, completely unwitting, I should stress. Um, yeah. <laughs> it came to beginning of last year, beginning of 2018, that somebody had stolen about 25 of my Facebook photos wow. and was using them to set up uh, fake dating profiles on dating websites. So I was contacted by a woman who just rang me out of the blue with the immortal line, you don't know me, but I thought I knew you. Um And it turned out that she had been dating or sort of chatting to a guy online for several weeks. And then she got suspicious. Some of the photos he'd sent her didn't quite add up. And she did a reverse Google image search, found my website, my Facebook profile, and my LinkedIn profile. And she contacted me. Uh, And we ended up going public, uh, largely to sort of to put a warning out there, to make people aware that the whole problem of dating scams it's a massive massive area um so yeah so we ended up i mean it ended up all over the the national papers i ended up doing quite a lot of tv and radio uh and it was it was an interesting experience and actually i've now turned it into a whole new keynote about how to protect yourself online how to protect your online reputation uh and all those sorts of things because a lot of people just are not aware that when they're on social media they are in the public domain i think a lot of people just assume that their linkedin profile or their facebook profile really is a sort of private space it's not. You don't own it. Um, you're in somebody else's playground, playing by somebody else's rules. So yeah, it's been a it's been quite a, a, a roller coaster of a year on that front. And actually, it's it's still going on. I'm currently filming a documentary with the BBC on dating scams, which is going to go out uh-huh. in September. And yeah. I've actually just become the inspiration for a book of all things. Um, right. Crime novelist Peter James, who writes the Roy Grace series of novels, which are set in Brighton, which is where I, I live. Right. Um, he approached me when this all went public 
and said, I've been thinking about writing a book on dating scams. Can we chat um, so I can find out more? And in fact, the book came out last week. It's called Dead at First Sight. And the major character is based on me. Um, he hasn't used my name, thankfully, and I don't yet know whether I survived the book. It is quite possible I'm dead before the last chapter, um, which is, which would be sort of part of the course of these books. Um, right. But yeah, so it, it's it's been fascinating, and as I say, I've actually been able to turn it into a business opportunity. Um, yeah. You know, I now get out and give talks to to, to organisations about these sorts of topics, uh, and I also use it as a way of telling people about how to turn a story into media coverage because this, you know, every journalistic bone in my body was saying this is a story. Um, how, how fab- I mean, it's, um, in lots of ways, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that sounds amazing. I mean, firstly, you're obviously a very handsome guy, so, <laughs> but, but and, and you weren't hurt in any way, which is also no. a, a great because, you know, a lot of these scams are very nasty things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but talking to a PR guy, about, in, including a PR guy in this sort of thing, just gives you food for for thought and business for years to come, which Doesn't is uh, which is um, amazing. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, being, you know, nearly 50 myself, um, you know, Mandy and I have been married up 17 years, we've been together about 20. Um, I've never been on a dating site and I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> never to, to need one. Um, so I'm, I'm just too old for that sort of, well, <laughs> as I sit in my hopefully happily married situation, um, you know, you just these these worlds aren't, aren't something I'm included in, and I guess a lot of people are like that. No, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm also married, and the ultimate irony is I'm married to a, a man. Um, so you know, the, these rich elderly widows really aren't my type. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's odd when I'm out talking about it. I have to be very careful. I can I do play it for laughs a bit, but I I can laugh yeah. at myself and I can laugh at the scammer. I yeah. cannot laugh at the women because I know of fourteen women who have dated quotes me. Um, uh, and some of them had given him money. Uh, so, you know, I have to be very careful about them, very mindful of that. I mean, yeah. this is slightly yeah. odd that I could be walking down the street this morning and somebody could stop me and say, you scam me out of my life savings. And I have to prove it wasn't me. Um, you right. know, cause I know those photos are still being used. I will never get those photos back that, you know, I could never have them deleted off the dark web. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting one. And I, I know I have learned so much more than I ever thought I would needed to know about online security and scams and how they set up and how they identify the likely victims um all this sort of stuff so it's it has been fascinating to say and i'm now it's now actually really um positive to be able to share that knowledge with other people and to 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 tell them some of the things they should be doing i mean for example one of the things i say to a lot of business leaders or people running their own businesses is do a reverse google image search on the main face shop that you use on your website or on online profiles yeah and just work out just find out where else on the web it's being used and you might be surprised because it's so easy for people just to to download a photo um they don't need permission and then they can use it wherever they like so do a reverse google image search just check that your images aren't appearing somewhere where you don't want them to be um and it's very very good advice yeah and, and just i just when you're on social media have your scepticism filter turned up slightly. Just be sceptical about what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Just be aware there are people out there who are faking this. You know, it's interesting. Whenever, whenever somebody sends us, you know, somebody sends us a LinkedIn request, we very rarely verify that that person is who they say they are. You know, we'll mm. look at them and think, oh, yes, I know them or yes, I want to, you know, I think that could be a useful connection, therefore I'll connect. But we don't actually go, is this the real Bob Smith? Yeah. Or is this yeah. somebody faking it? 
Well, I mean, the, the fake ones, so at times you get the very cheaply, crappily done fake ones where, you know, it's very obvious that person isn't isn't who they, well, is, yeah. is someone made up. Yeah. Um, but uh, like all scams, if you're using um, a vehicle like LinkedIn, for instance, where there's, you know, their associated credibility, um, yeah, we don't. We don't. But and and we're also very careful in the media. Well, a lot of people are very careful in the media, I guess, in believing what they see. Mm. Um, the number of news stories that come through the feeds these days that are from really dubious sources, oh, yeah. but because they're in print, people go, "Oh, it must be true." Um, Absolutely. You know, and clearly, it's the view of the writer. Um, you just have to look at uh, well. BBC, ABC, any of the big news agencies these days and look to whether actually they're reporting news or they're reporting opinion. Mm, yeah. As I say, yeah, have your scepticism filter turned up. Just don't accept everything at face value is, is what I'd say. And, and you know, but also something that if, some, if, if you do find that your identity is being used or that people are using your, your online images and things, don't panic about it. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I have to be, I have to be moderately sanguine about it. That has happened. That horse has bolted. Um, yep. so, uh, you know, if I can turn it in a, if I can help at least one woman avoid being scammed by going public with this so that they recognize yep. those votes on dating sites, that's a good thing. And I know that's happened. I know that, you know, women have spotted that and, and recognized the photos in the media coverage. So that's a good thing. But right. B, if I can use it to promote my business, quite frankly, then, you know, why not? Um, say I've turned it into a business opportunity, and, and and that's something I have no problem with because it's it it's really it's part of me taking ownership of it. Well, I, I, if the fact that something good's come out of it for you, I think is perfect. And why shouldn't you? I mean, mm, so... absolutely. And you know, as long as I'm not in any way exploiting the women who are being exploited by the scammers, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I start thinking about the emotional issues that those people have now got and their trust problems that will come in yeah. the future. And there's a, there's a lot of nasty stuff attached to. Well, there what, is absolutely. absolutely what looks like you know a ho 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 this well-known gay guy's being used as a as a, a female you know whatever um, as a lure or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, just yeah. Uh, but um so steve just moving on to something a little bit less sorted shall we mm. um in, in your world in, in when you're working with your clients helping them get their voices heard what are you seeing as the differences these days what's changing for clients and where are you finding the good things that you can help them with and where are the difficulties I think what's changing, not just for, 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 for clients, but generally is, I mean, communication is so fast these days, but also communication has changed. The very nature of communication, particularly in the business environment, has changed. It used to be a one-way process. You right. used to broadcast. So, you know, if you were placing an advert, for example, that's a communication, but it was one way. Um, if somebody gave a speech, they would expect to just talk for 45 minutes. It would be one way. Right. Uh, if somebody was appearing in the media, it would be one way, just there would be media coverage. Actually, communication has become a two-way process. It should be. It should always be a conversation. One of the things I always say to clients is you should be aiming to have conversations with all your audiences. Now, that might be you should be having conversations with the staff who work within your business. It might be that you should be having conversations with the audience that you're speaking to at a big com conference. It might be that you need to have conversations with uh, very specific customer sectors, for example. So, I mean, this, and this isn't sitting down one-on-one -on -one and having a conversation, but every communication should be a two-way process. So one of the things you have to be aware of is now there has to be a feedback loop. If an audience right. doesn't have a way of feeding back, there's a problem. Um, and they will, they will lose interest and go elsewhere very, very fast. Audiences of consumers, of other businesses, whoever it is, 
expect to be able to feedback and communicate and converse with you. Um, social media is the obvious one here. You know, you should be setting out to get response, to get engagement. Too many people schedule their, their posts on social media and actually it's just blasting it out there. It's just going one way. Right. You right. should be setting out to have a conversation. So that to me is what's changed dramatically over the last, probably the last 10 years. Um, it, it's, uh, it, when you talk about that, I think, you know, there's, we'll, 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 if, we, if you don't mind, we'll get back to the kind of how you do it with an audience in front of you. Sure. Um, I've, I've noticed a lot recently, I, I'm a, I, I like to have a moan online, um, like a lot of people, and certainly with businesses where I'm struggling to get a response, I'll often hit Twitter and see what I can do there. Um, sometimes the communication loop is is non-existent. I speak, I make a, you know, why is it so hard to get hold of you today, something like that, and you mm -hmm. hear nothing. Other times you get fantastic instant response. And I've had that recently with a couple of businesses where um, they've reached straight out. It's been seconds rather than minutes of response time. Um, you know, they're on the phone, they're getting things fixed. So there's an opportunity there for a lot of businesses to improve the way they communicate and the service that they can provide using those channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What when when you're face to face though, when you when you're with a when you're in a you know a business environment or a speaking or what, how how can you get that feedback loop working perfectly? There's a number of different ways. I mean, for instance, if you are if you're speaking from a stage, it can be as simple as can I just have a show of hands? Who has tried this or who's experienced that? And audiences in BD will give you feedback. So you can go, oh, okay, most people have. Oh, very few of you have. And you can then change what you're going to say accordingly. And that to me is also the mark of a good speaker or somebody who's in the moment, who's relaxed on stage, who can ask for, for feedback, get it in and then say, oh, okay, I can change what I'm going to do to respond to that. Too many people are just within their script. And it's like, you know, they don't actually care what's said back. They don't, they just want to say what they want to say. Right. Um, so, you know, you can do it. You can be that simple. You can, I mean, social media is a classic one now. You know, if you are speaking at an event, every event will have a hashtag. You can see what's going on in that hashtag. You can respond to it, whether that's on the stage, whether that's immediately afterwards. So it is looking for ways of getting feedback. I mean, the other one, I suppose, actually, is as simple as, are your audience awake? Are they looking at you? Are they engaged? Are they nodding along? Or yeah. are, all, are they all on your phones? You know, if they're all on their phones, now, okay, they could be on Twitter tweeting about how amazing the speaker is they're currently watching. They could well be checking their emails and looking on Facebook. That's a funny thing for a lot of people, particularly if you're not used to, to speaking to people with laptops open or what have you. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can instantly think, well, actually, they're not engaged, or maybe they are, but I think you can't guess, can you? You've got to assume they're not. No, absolutely, um, and you've got to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it takes you know that take that sort of thing takes experience. The first time you speak in front of an audience, even if it's only sort of a small group of six or eight people, it takes a while to learn that and to have the courage to respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the biggest problems I see is that people aren't in the moment. People are just in their heads, in their scripts, saying what they want to say without actually any regard for their audience, and that's where the audience will now disengage. The days of stand and deliver have gone. They really have. Um, you know, every, every speaker booker now is looking for interaction. They're looking for um, engagement. They're looking for how their audience is going to get involved. They don't necessarily want to just sit and listen. Um, and I think that's something that uh, people ignore at their peril. And that goes for being in a meeting with your team as much as it does standing on stage in front of two and a half thousand people. Um, you know, I think it's it's the basis of communication now is that you've got to look for this this opportunity to have a conversation and to be getting feedback all the time. A lot of people don't necessarily want feedback, and that can be really tricky. I mean, particularly I find senior leaders 
those in charge are like, well, I'm not sure I want to know what my staff want. I just want to tell them what I, what, what I want them to know. It's like, yeah, actually, but if you want to have your staff engaged, if you want them to take on board what you're saying, what you want them to know, you've got to have some sort of feedback loop in place. Well, if you look at any of the great businesses, and by great, I mean the ones we know really well and have been kind of household words or household names, mm. um, all those businesses on the whole tend to work from a position of highly engaged uh, staff, interesting, but also constant communication internally. Um, you know, that kind of open door thing that we people say, you know, we're an open door business, but some really are. Mm. And some are truly transparent. And when they are like that, those businesses tend to flourish. Yeah. Um, when they're the old, uh, you know, I think back to my accountancy days, which is uh, thankfully almost a lifetime ago now. Um, you know, if I didn't do something the way that a partner wanted, I'd just get shouted at. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works anymore. <laughs> No, I mean, it's got, you've got to be responsive. It's not just about listening, but it's actually responding and being seen to respond. And I think we're all very aware, you know, customer service now is about response. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how, you know, if, even if they say, oh, yes, we hear you, if we don't see a reaction to that um, listening or that communication, then we as consumers get really frustrated really fast. We expect response. And I think it's interesting what you said just now about, you know, how some companies can respond instantly. To my mind, it's not necessarily about the speed. Um, it doesn't. You know, I, I don't. I don't think businesses have to be sat on Facebook instantly responding to people, but they do have to have a a way of saying to people, you know, we will respond within twenty four hours, and doing that. Um, yeah, there's. Well, say, actually, I, I I completely agree with that. I don't think I, mean, I, I mentioned the speed because it was you know sometimes you just get a bit. Uh, bit flattered by the speed of response i guess but what they do with that response is the thing you know it's all well and good to say oh we're really sorry you're having a hard time today and then nothing happens well who cares um mm. but you know we're very sorry you're having a hard time today and contact with the last one uh i was was quite fascinating because not only did they send me a message back as a dm on on twitter um but they rang my mobile wow now they always ask, can we have a number? But actually, they've gone online, found my website or found something in my, my, my phone number is not hard to find. Um, but they've done a very quick search somehow and called me. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Steve, when we talk about communication in a business, how can that fold into the service side of things? How can that improve not only the business generally internally, but also externally? I think the key to me is the listening. So many businesses don't really listen, or if they do, they don't actually hear what's being said. There's a, you know, it becomes process-driven rather than individual-driven. Um, so I think a lot of businesses will, you know, a customer might not even necessarily complain, but comment, and they will just, you'll get a bland response back, or you'll get a, um, a copied and pasted response back. Whereas actually, if you take the time to individualise it and to respond properly, that customer will, that conversation will carry on and that customer will be much happier. Um, so I think, yeah, businesses need to be not only listening, but actually actively listening and responding to each individual. And yes, it does take a little bit of extra time. Yes, it might mean that you need um, to add extra resources into your customer service. But it's, it's, it's crucial. I think, I mean, for instance, I think a key one here is social media. I think too many businesses see social media as a function of their marketing department. To my mind, it's part of your customer service department. Hmm. You know, and that's it, whether you, even when you're a one-person business. 
Social media is not about advertising. Social media is about customer service, even if you are serving those customers who are not yet your customers. You know, you've got to be able to uh, to engage, to respond. One of the ways of doing that actually is just, um, I think, good etiquette on 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 social media for, for, for building that sort of reputation of customer service is uh, every time you as a business or even you as an individual go on and tweet, for example, uh, mm-hmm. I think you should retweet or reply to at least two other posts. I think it should be a two to one. You should okay. go out and engage on other people's posts, at least two to one ratio to your own posts. If that makes sense. That's a, that's a very nice little tip, actually, because people talk a lot about engagement online and you, you must be engaged and you must do this and you must do that. But actually giving them some some process is often harder. Yeah. Um, and so that that's a nice little kind of rule of thumb, I guess. Well, absolutely. And I just I, th- I think it's about, you know, it's about showing your customers, showing your potential customers that you care about them and you want to amplify them as much as you want them to amplify you. I think too many people are just like, oh, I'm not getting any engagement on on Twitter, for example. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. how often are you engaging with other people? Oh, no, I haven't got time for that. It's like, well, why on earth should people come and engage with your post and retweet it and amplify it if you're yeah. not willing to go and do it to other people? Well, there's a, there's a lot of give and take in the world, and I think you've got to give twice as much as you take at least. So your, your yeah. rule of thumb there sits. But, uh, you know, we often talk about putting effort into things, and, uh, you know, there's a, a really neat quote from... Uh, from Gary Vaynerchuk, who some people love and some hate. He's a bit marmite, but I, mm. I, I, I like a lot of his stuff. Um, and his, his quote was that effort matters more than most people want to admit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think it's very true. If we, Why should people retweet? Why should people engage with you if you're not happy to or not engage with them first? Yeah. You know, we lead by example in a lot of what we do in, in the business world or, you know, a lot of people try to lead by example. Well, that's a great place to do that. Yeah, definitely. And etiquette's an interesting, interesting point, and I, it's it's a it's the perfect word I think for it as well because we we need to encourage good behaviours in in every aspect of what we do, and um, a lot of what we do online is is broadcast as you mentioned, but saying thank you when people retweet for you, when, you know, asking you know when you when you ask people to help you out and they do. You know, I've seen this a lot recently. People said, "Would you, would you look at this? And if you like it, would you share it?" Well, yes, of course, if I like it. Mm. But actually, then them not to come back and say that was kind of you, mm. um, it leaves a slightly sour taste. You know, and also, I don't just want them to come back to me and saying thank you. I'd like to see them reciprocate, and I think that's the thing. I mean, I think yeah. a thank you is fine, yeah. but actually, I think it's even more um, useful for me if people come back and actually they start retweeting mine if they retweet my material i will retweet their material and it does become a reciprocal thing it becomes a two-way um conversation you know and it's not just retweeting it's actually replying or adding a Mm. comment to amplify it things so yeah it is it it is worth the effort well it's 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 social currency isn't it it's Mm. that, that that old thing of you know um you know you guys come to my place for dinner and when i see you next week and i say how lovely it was to see you you must come again. Your answer would ordinarily be, "Don't be silly; it's our turn." Yeah, um, and it just works that way in all aspects of life. So, why shouldn't it work in the communication world as well? Well, absolutely, Re- reciprocity is a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, so, so, what are you seeing? What 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 are you seeing when you talk to your clients, or you're looking out into the world at the moment? Mm. Where we, who's doing the great communicating? Who's doing things slightly differently or in a better way that we can learn from? Oh, good question. Now, I mean, it's interesting because my clients are on the whole um, large pharmaceutical or healthcare 
businesses, they are primarily communicating with uh, other businesses rather than necessarily to individuals, because very few pharmaceuticals sell directly to consumers. Sure. Um, but obviously what they do want to raise is, is brand awareness and things. I think they see, though, that the market is um, it's very, they're, they're, there's very much an international thing going on now. I mean, the companies I work for tend to have international reach. Mm-hmm. And they're realising, though, that they have to tailor their communications to their individual markets, that you know, one size does not fit all. Um, you know, we've all seen, I'm sure we've all seen, adverts uh, for the UK market clearly using American models or um, clearly using imagery that's not in the UK and actually it immediately distances you from them and again it means a bit of extra effort and it probably means a bit of extra expense but targeting your communications to your audience is it's just fundamental I mean it's just it, it almost should go without saying but it's amazing how often people don't get it right and where's it all going Steve where's the future of this the future is, is um, personalization. There's no two ways about it. Um, you know, I want adverts and I want communication with me that is pertinent to me, that understands me as an individual. Now, some of that can be done by AI. Mm-hmm. You know, algorithms now are incredibly clever. And actually, I don't mind that. You know, I don't mind if you put a cookie in, on my uh, system, if that means that I see messages and communications that are pertinent to me. I would rather see things that are pertinent and relevant to me than things that are irre- irrelevant. Um, whether that is paid for communications or or, or organic communications. No, I'm, I absolutely agree with you there. I think there's a lot of people making a fuss about that. You know, if you look on one website and then you go onto Facebook or somewhere that it, that it drops an advert of, of what you've just looked at, mm. I mean, it's very simple stuff and we can all do it with our own websites. But actually, I would much rather see relevance uh, any time. Yeah. Uh, what I don't like, and this is just a foible of my life, I think, is that you know something like Spotify, which I, I use to listen to music, uh, we share it amongst the house. So it's great when it starts to tell you the sort of you know you might like this song or you might like that one, and we all mm. we all enjoy that. You hear the new music. What I'm getting a lot at the moment of is the greatest showman and anything else my daughter listens to, and a ten year old girl's <laughs> choices in songs are always mm. the same as mine. But uh, but you know that that personalization thing is. It's almost like we're going back full circle, isn't it? We're going back to the days of our grandparents. I've talked a lot about that on this on this show, you know, recently of, you know, going into shops with my nana or or down to the chemist with my dad, and you know, they knew you, they knew what you liked, they they suggested things that you might want. It's not wildly different. It's just a different show. It's just a different shop front. Oh, it is. And also, I would say, don't be scared to go uh, old tech, um, in terms of. You know, let, quite frankly, send somebody a letter. Send, I'll tell you one of the most successful things I've done in my business recently is I had some thank you cards printed, but just with uh-huh. sort of a, a generic sort of thank you card with my logo on the back. And at the end of every week, I try to think about who do I need to thank this week? Who has been, who's done something that's gone beyond, above and beyond, or who's helped me or helped my business? And it might be a client, it might be a prospect, it might be somebody I met at a networking event, whoever. And sending them a card, and I've had such a positive response to that because people are like, Wow, something in the post, something with, and I handwrite it. You know, I don't, you know, I don't even print the envelope. Yeah. I handwrite it, and I've got terrible handwriting, so people can recognise it straight away. Um, but actually, people really, really respond to that, and it's mm. because it feels like part of a conversation. They have done something for me, and here's, you know, I will give them a genuine thank you back. Um, and that, as I say, that has actually paid real dividends for my business, and I would, I would really recommend it to people. It also, actually, I think it's just a very positive mindset thing in terms of. Who, who am I grateful to? Who do I need to thank? Well, there's, there's 
there's two really great sides to that. One is the, from a business perspective anyway, one is the, is, is what you're doing, which is being, you know, genuinely thankful and putting in some effort. We get back to that of actually writing a card and taking it to a post box. Um, but the other is how well you're thought of for it. I know that um, it, thank you cards are a big part of what I do, and uh, I think you've almost spoiled that because I send everybody I talk to on this show a card. <laughs> oh, look how far I've, I've, I've got a great big box of them, um, and I use them as much as possible, and I get all my clients to do it too. But it's, you know, it, it, and in my mindset came from we've got some really great friends who've moved to Somerset and don't see them all that often. And every time we do, when they come to, we see them for a meal or they come to stay, whatever it might be, Nick always sends a card mm. and it comes through the post and it's not just a, you know, a little thing. She writes a whole side and it's, it's just, a, a, it's lovely. Yeah. And you just think what a wonderful, per- what a lovely thought, what a lovely person. And, you know, if we can get our clients thinking that of us, yeah. well, that's <laughs> how bad could that be? That's well, going to be a, a really great. I don't know if you find this, one of the interesting things though about going postal is actually it can be really hard to find people's addresses these days. A lot yes. of people don't have an address on their website. And actually, they are. It makes them much harder to contact. It's 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 interesting how you know people have just almost assume now that postal is no longer necessary, and yet actually it can be the most fantastic way of communicating with somebody. Well, it's it's yeah. It, you know, if you look at my post box today, I will either get a bill or a bank statement, or very rarely get something nice unless it's a birthday or an anniversary or Absolutely. something. And even then. You know, but uh, I took my my address off my website the last time I built the new, new site, um, and I got decidedly less Christmas cards that year. <laughs> um, now I'm hoping that's because I took my website off. It wasn't that people started losing favour with me. Uh, but uh, but you're right. It, well, it, it, and that that drops back into a little service thing that's been winding me up a little bit recently. Is is the the inability to phone businesses. Or to get hold of people, having to use chatbots. Oh, uh, you they're know, just horrible. Sort of they're just horrible, and it's and, it, and it's driven by people not actually wanting to communicate. They don't want a conversation. If you if you're forcing your prospects, and on the whole, that's who this is. Those are very important people. Your prospects. Mm-hmm. If you're forcing them to communicate with you in a way that suits you, not them, you're going to lose a lot of them. So I absolutely by all means have a, a you know a data entry form because that's the trouble. A lot of people now are very, very wary about those forms because you think all you're doing is harvesting my data. But have yeah. a phone number, have an email address, have a, um, a postal address, all those things. Let people communicate with you in the way that they want to and then have that conversation using the method that suits them. Don't try and force them into your preferred method. Do you know, if, if you said nothing else today, Steve, I think that's that's such a great thing to think about for businesses. We should allow people to communicate with us in the way that suits them mm. and help them talk with us, yeah. not make it difficult or not automate it to the point where it's only the way we want it to be. Yeah. Um, if you have all those avenues available to people, they will choose what they like. Yeah. It might be that you find that after a while you're very, very rarely picking up anything off a contact form, but then every now and then you might. Exactly. Well, I'm exactly um, like that. I probably get from the contact form on my website, I probably get maybe four or five a year. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing, but it's important it's there because some people feel more comfortable that way. Um, yeah. What can be interesting is, is then to actually track which inquiries coming from which route convert but actually i find on the whole the inquiries that come via the contact form very rarely convert it's if somebody has picked up the phone or dropped me an email then it's much more likely to convert to business i think the people who are not really in a position to buy are just sounding you out 
they will tend to use the, the, the contact form. So it is worth tracking um, yeah. to see who's, who, you know, the, the various methods people are using, which ones convert and uh, which ones don't. The contact form thing is interesting because I, I get a huge amount of spam through mine, mm -hmm. um, as you'd expect, because that's what, <laughs> what spammers like to look at. Um, but most people do their research, don't they? They look up what you do. They might check online. They'll look at LinkedIn. They'll probably have a look at your other social media, see what sort of person you are. They'll have done a reasonable amount of very quick and easy research on you mm. before they contact you. So by the time they're ready to contact, they're actually looking for a better communication device, whether yeah. it's phone or email. Yeah. Um, which leads me to the other thing about email is, you know, the number of times that I get an email through from somebody inquiring about whatever it might be, and I pick up the phone and speak to them, and some of them are genuinely amazed that I've phoned. <laughs> um, and I think, well, wh why wouldn't I phone? You're important to me. I yeah. want to listen to what you've got to say. I want to understand what you're looking for. I want to see whether I can help you. Um, dro dropping an email back is not going to work. No. Um, it's, a, it's a magic way of sending data and information and for messaging, um, but it's not a great communication device. No, no, it's not. It's not. And I think too many people hide behind email. They really do. Um, one of the things I did a big piece of work with one of the major telecoms companies a, while, uh, a few years back, and what we identified that one of the big communication problems they had was overuse of email, and everybody was CCing everybody on everything, so actually nobody was reading anything, and we ended up instigating a rule that uh, if you were writing, if you found yourself writing an email to more than three people, email was not the correct way of making that communication. Uh, and actually, it just immediately cut down on the huge numbers of emails that were doing that were circulating within the organisation. Put a lot of people they, they had an internal chat system, not dissimilar to WhatsApp, but it was an internal mm -hmm. one. And actually, a lot of people moved onto that and started setting up proper groups, and actually communicating that way. And it just it it if like it oiled the whole communication machine. Email just gums it up, particularly if you're just CCing everybody and everything, you're just using it wrong. Oh, then the, you, I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you do as well, with these inboxes, which are absolutely stacked with stuff. And yeah. I, I work from a zero inbox, and people yeah. say to me, how can you do that? I'm well, the same. Because I, I action what I see, I delete what I don't, I don't get CC'd on stuff, and I speak to people. But also, um, I, when, I, when I help people working with email internally, you know, you start, I start talking about, you know, one subject per email and things like that, and they look at me as if I'm absolutely mad. Mm. Um, but then when they start to think about how they're using that tool, uh, it starts to improve the the speed of response, the quality of response, all the other bits and pieces that you want from it. And suddenly it becomes a helpful device rather than something you groan at every time you open it. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I one of the other things I will try and do now is I will try to open an email by outlining the response I do or don't need. Right. You know, So you don't need to respond to this. This is just to keep you in the loop. Fine. Or I need a response by this on this, ideally by the end of the week. Or please can I please can you respond to these three points? I think that's another good way with an email is to bullet point them, to say here are the three things that I need you to act upon. Right. Or these are the three things I currently need. And actually I find on the whole people respond to those much better than just non-specific, often long-winded, complex emails. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, the other thing I don't do is I won't just reply to all saying, yes, me too. Or that. <laughs> I'm just like, just stop it. <laughs> oh, it drives me to distraction. Um, oh, yeah. It's just like, you know, so I can't remember who it was who said it. I need to find out whether, where, who it was. But somebody said recently, um, email is, the, your, your email inbox is somebody else's to-do list being dumped onto your desk. 
because actually all those emails sat in your inbox are people going, I need you to do this for me. Yeah. And actually that's their to-do list, not your to-do list. What a great way to think about it. It yeah. is absolutely not a to-do list. It is yeah. a place to to collate communication. But, oh, yeah. Steve, I love that. I really do. That's fabulous. We're running – I mean, I, when we get onto email, I jump on a high horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I ride as fast as I can, and I think we'd better stop. But yeah. I'm also conscious of, of, of time as well. I'd love you just to leave our listeners with with – one golden nugget, one thought, one thing that they could do in their business today and in the years to come to make it a better place. What could that be? This is going to sound slightly odd. Be you. Be a human being. Don't be a bot. Um, I see too many people who hide behind automations, who hide behind auto responses and all that sort of stuff. Be you. Every time you communicate, make it genuine. Um, be in the moment. Respond as soon as you can. Respond uh realistically you know don't over promise but i would just say be you have a enjoy a conversation informality i think actually is often the key to a lot of this i think people sometimes feel they need to hide behind a sort of business persona but actually we're all human beings we all respond as humans better to other humans than we do to to, to bots so uh yeah that would be my real key is just be you have some fun with it business you know okay it's got to be context sensitive but business doesn't have to be boring um, have a bit of personality. Uh, people will remember you far more. And I think, you know, we all know people buy for people we'd like. Um, so, yeah, be you, be human, don't be a bot. Fantastic, Steve. Thank you so much for that and for all your thoughts. Great you're, chatting with you today. You're very welcome. It's great to talk to you. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show. And I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.